Good evening, everybody. Welcome to Atlantic Bushcraft Adventures. Tonight, episode 145, and talking about uh, volunteer opportunities for the bushcrafter. And uh, this was actually an idea you threw at us uh, a couple weeks ago, Ben, and we're just kind of getting to it now. Um, but it, it's a good topic to talk about in my mind, simply because there are resources out there for people that are experienced bushcrafters or people that are just learning uh, or looking to learn a little bit about bushcrafting, and you can get a lot of good out of some of these volunteer opportunities that we're going to chat about here tonight. Yes. Oh, yeah. And I'm just, I mean, I got no, by no means the extensive list here, but I have a list of a dozen or so, and I'm sure you have some. And we haven't really discussed this much, if any, in advance. We usually do briefly discuss a few things, but uh, no, this one's coming in pretty, pretty blind from what each other have to say. But, uh, yeah, no, there's a ton out there, and I think uh, every one of them is, an, is a learning experience. So you get out of these things it's pretty well more than you ever put in it. Um, so, you know, it's a great thing. It's a great thing for yourself, and it's a great thing for everyone else. You, you do help out with some of these organizations. And uh, I can't say that we all, like both of us, have volunteered in all of these potential things, but we're at least somewhat familiar with them. Mm. We'll put it that way. And I guess it's safe to say that currently we are both volunteers as well, so we do have uh, some ongoing experience. This isn't just something we're plucking from the air. Uh, we have done, uh, both of us have done volunteer experience through a couple different organizations for sure, but uh, we continue to do that too, specifically, while well, I know for me, uh, the skills that I gain from it, I apply to every day of my life, including my bushcrafting, so. Yeah, me too. Um, I volunteer primarily with the search and rescue um so that and that's that was going to be my first one i think we'll throw that out here to start um and i think that that really helps with the bushcrafting because it is about orientation it is about going in the woods they they do push some survival stuff they push some first aid um and uh a lot of other things like even down to fire making like i've taken fire making courses and stuff with these these guys and you know i am still on the board i'm just not a, a committee uh chairperson anymore for the nova scotia ground search and rescue but i am on, on one of their boards um so I, I still work with them and i still work with my individual team and i think they offer a ton of stuff to the province um you know we we can be called on at any given time to go pretty well anywhere in the province and potentially outside of the province to go search for someone in the right conditions. Um, and that means a lot to the, their families, but it gives a ton back to the, to the volunteer because you do learn a lot of skills and you get a lot of opportunities and it's oftentimes just an excuse to get out. And we talked what about a month, month and a half ago about how do you get out there? Cause mm -hmm. it is hard. Um, these kind of commitments kind of force your hand to actually get out there and do things right. Um, so that was the first one I wanted to talk about. I don't know if you have anything you want to add to that. Um, no, I, I guess just in general, what I'd like everybody to know is we're, we're going to draw from Nova Scotia or we're going to use reference to a lot of Nova Scotia organizations, but Grand Search and Rescue, that's all over Canada. There's usually some sort of uh, search and rescue or SARTEC program in you know the majority of countries so uh if we say just no, like nova scotia ground search and rescue for instance we're just pulling from our own experience on this one just we mean ground search and rescue um oh, for sure 
But yeah, when it comes to ground search and rescue, it's one of those ones I've always wanted to do. I've never actually volunteered doing ground search and rescue. And I mean, it seems like the most, um, probably the most direct one that you could link towards bushcrafting and being in the woods and stuff like that. And a lot of people have always told me that I should go into that. I just never found the time. And, you know, classic excuse, you know what I mean? But on the flip side of that, I do volunteer somewhere else and I didn't know how the two would compete and stuff like that. Uh, we have Zach McDonald join us in the comments. Uh, hey, Zach. Welcome. I'm not here on the so... Well, yeah, Zach, thanks for joining us. Uh, if you have any questions, comments, or anything like that, by all means, throw them in the comments there. Um, we try to bring, you know, light to anything that's said in the comments. So, yeah, uh, thanks for joining us. Glad to have you on. Uh, Zach drives a truck, listens to us through Spotify. Uh, apparently, he sounds like he's been binging us for the past few weeks. <laughs> Very good. But yeah, so Ground Search and Rescue, uh, definitely kind of going to be that higher level one if you want to get out in the woods and stuff like that. As Ben said, there's a ton of great courses. Uh, don't think you're just going to only be called upon when somebody needs to be uh, found and things like that. There's tons of training opportunities with Ground Search and Rescues. So you work with other organizations. There's meet and greets. Like, there is a lot to it. So definitely look into it. Uh, there's probably something in there for everybody, honestly. There is, and... and the funny thing is, like, I meet people and they're like, oh, but I couldn't do this or I couldn't do that. And here's the, the shocking thing is volunteer organizations needs anyone and everyone because we have a million jobs and not every one of them needs you to go into woods or not everyone needs you to be super strong or super fast. Or sometimes we just need somebody to take names, to go to the store and pick up groceries because we got people in the woods for 12 hours and they're coming out hungry, right? And, and anything you can do to help these people is part of the team. And the best thing is that training is available to everyone. So even if you're not expected to go in the woods in the future, you can still do the training and you can still move at your pace. And then you do your thing on a search if you need to. Um, and then there's the, the, the support of it. Like we have to do a lot of fundraising. The, unfortunately, here in Nova Scotia, and I know in other provinces, uh, search and rescue is not well funded. So we do a lot of our own funding. Uh, so it's going around fundraising and stuff. And that takes a ton of effort and time for members and members that are not into the woods. Like we have members who don't like the woods, but they love the the, the concept or they've known people that got lost and they, they volunteer and they do these other tasks. And they're, you know, they're very appreciative for that. So uh, regardless of why you're listening to us and if you get out or if you're just living vicariously through us, there's still stuff you can do in these organizations. There's still a ton uh, and this goes for everything we're going to talk about today. So that was the first one that I wanted to mention. It's just because it's close to my heart and something that I I really, um, and, and there's been no secret on this podcast that I'm a member of this organization. And, uh, you know, we support this organization as well as many others. Um, is there one you want to mention? I figure we'll go back and forth or I can just... Rhyme them off of you. Well, I, I guess where you started with the one that's near and dear to you, I will mention that I do volunteer with the fire department. Once again, we've said that uh, in the past. And something that I take from that that I really applies to bushcrafting for me anyway is once you get a little bit of experience with a lot of these organizations we're going to talk about, you get a little experience under your belt. Um, specifically with the fire department, we deal with incidents and scenes and stuff like that, high stress situations on a fairly regular basis. And it really teaches you. To one of the classic things we always say is just to slow down, look at the bigger picture, and have a plan before you do something. 
once you do it enough, even through like the fire department, stuff like that, you realize that there's a system, there's a method. Once you take the time to actually follow it or think about it, everything goes so much smoother. And that's the True. one thing that I took from it. You know what I mean? Like you're on big scenes with flip, like derailed. Um, we had a train derailment there one day, one year and we were on it for like 12 days. Major thing, hydrogen peroxide, propane, stuff like that, evacuations, bells going off, everybody's freaking out. But you know what? At that point, I'd been into the fire department for 15 some odd years and it really wasn't that big deal. You kind of blow on, you know what's going on. I mean, there's urgency, but it's calm urgency. You take a second, you think things through, and you move on. And that's exactly what you should do when you go into the woods. Even if you're not in a survival situation, if you're just going in for a camping trip or something like that, take the time, think about what you need, where you're going to go, how you're going to get there. It'll make things so much simpler than just shooting from the hip. Now, don't get me wrong. I am guilty of shooting from the hip sometimes, uh, and I think we all are. But if you're going to do a major event, like a multi-day outing or something like that, and you know there's going to be some real thought need to be put into it, it kind of gives you those root skills. Oh, for sure. And yeah, um, the fire department is actually for the search and rescue, one of our closest allies in, we end up getting called to a lot of similar things sometimes, especially, you know, a medical that's in the woods. We end up working mm. as teams together. And we, we are now like our team anyways, has actively been trying to work with the fire departments to kind of uh, group together. Cause oftentimes it's very good to have those assistants and stuff. And once again, in both organizations, lack of manpower, I bet. Oh, yeah. Sometimes that's the thing. Like, um, there's a trade-off. Like, we can go do uh, traffic control for you guys, and that gets all your guys in at the fire, right? And a lot of our members are cross-trained. Like, we have firefighters that are search and rescuers mm -hmm. and vice versa type deal. Like, one is kind of their primary thing, but then they, they volunteer in the other one also. So, you know, that's pretty cool. So yeah, two, two awesome organizations, um, and almost every community has an equivalent to that. Like anywhere I've been, you can volunteer for either of those um, and find out what works best for you. I mean, there are advantages and disadvantages to both of them. Uh, for me, I just really didn't want to have to deal with the car accidents and stuff. So I was much more happy just walking in the woods and trying to look for people that way. Um, a lot of people really love the thrill of the fire or the, the emergency. It's a bit faster pace for the fire department. If you're an adrenaline junkie, I think the fire department is probably the better bet for you. Um, and both are awesome organizations and I have nothing negative to say about either one. And I hope all of you guys will at least consider it, look into as possibilities. If you're ever looking to volunteer your time, they it would be very much appreciated there. Um, do we want to move on? Might as well move on. We mentioned the two were a part of. We'll try not to hark on them too much because, once again, we do have that connection with them. So we're not going to try and make it a pitch just for those ones by all, any means. You know what I mean? But those are the ones we're a part of. I'm just trying to decide the next one I want to talk about. And I think I'm going to skip one. I am going to come back to it. It's just I think this one might that I want to skip to. And I'm going to say friends of and then just you name your provincial, your, your federal park. Um, mm. Friends of Kedji, friends, friends of uh, the Highlands, friends of Fundy, friends of almost every one of these parks have some kind of organization like this. And this organization helps raise money and funds and stuff for the park and try to get things for the park. And they do a ton of good, 
I think they also help clear some of the trails and stuff like that. They, they volunteer for a lot of stuff. I don't know a ton about it, but I have worked. Not worked. I have bought stuff from them. I have talked to people. I know they run some of the little boutiques and stuff in the front. And they provide a ton of information, too. Like, you go on the sites, if you look up the Friends of sites, they can usually tell you what, what each of the sites is like. Uh, especially, like, the backcountry camping stuff is what I've been using them for. And it's a great organization that really allows more and more of the population to be able to experience some of this in a safe and effective way, which is something we really push here. How do you get out in a safe and effective way and learn the skills and enjoy yourself and feel safe and secure? And federal parks, their backcountry camping is an awesome, I would like to say, gateway into bushcrafting. You know, there are limitations in the park, but... It gives, you know, you know you're going to have firewood. You know you're going to have a spot to set up your site. And you know if anything goes wrong, it's going to be a hell of a lot easier to find you. So it's a great place to start. Build up your skill. Build up your confidence level. And just, you know, have that overall confidence. And how do you, how do we support those? By volunteering at places like Friends of Kedji is, is a one I've dealt with a lot. So just wanted to throw that out there as a great volunteering operation. Um, opportunity for anyone who wanted to get out there and it it will open up i know for a fact um your mind and to what's out there what's available and a chance to meet people who are like-minded and they're interested in the same stuff that most of us i believe are no i i completely agree with you and something uh this would be good for i i didn't have it on my list but good thought uh, this would be perfect for somebody that likes to hike, but potentially may not like to camp, because a lot of these places, you're going in in the morning, you're coming out in the evening. Uh, the other thing is, you would be surprised at how much actual beauty you can find in your own backyard with these places. If you are, and I hear it all the time here, oh, there's nothing to see in Nova Scotia, you know, we got no scenery. Go huh. be, you know, a friend of a park, and go look at Kejimakuji, like... That is an amazing park, especially if you take your time to explore a lot of it and see, look at the look-offs. And you'll get this experience, as Ben said, when you start looking, uh, working on the trails, cleaning up, stuff like that. And I mean, that could be as simple as your day. You may just be going in and cleaning up along the trails. But you know what? Uh, I assume you get free admission into the park. Last time I checked, you would. And you're going to get to walk the trail. You may actually get in before and after seasons open and close and stuff like that. You may get to see that park in a way that nobody else uh, or not a lot of other people potentially have. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I'll, it's, you know, another organization that I think is, is definitely worth talking about for sure. Sort of. Do you have one you want to go after? Because I have one that dovetails into this. You might as well go for it, Ben. Um, trail Association. So I know really local to me, there's the Nine Mile River Trails that a lot of my search and rescue members actually joined. We use that to help support our search and rescue training and stuff. And so we, uh, we as a team, not me as an individual, have a lot of members who join these trail associations to help develop and maintain these trails. And uh same thing builds a lot of skills a lot of opportunities really get you into the woods if you enjoy being in the woods and maybe clearing away some deadfall from trails and doing all that sort of thing uh and what it does is it gives the opportunity for more people to get in and enjoy the beautiful nature that's around us and generally you don't have to go many kilometers from your house to find a decent hiking trail in anywhere in the maritimes i would say but probably most of Canada, if not the world, there's there's decent hiking trails 
all over the place. So uh, if you're looking for something relatively local, easy to get to, there goes my chair. <laughs> I was going to say, you got awful lower there in spurts, man. Fuck. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I completely agree. Trail Association, I did have uh, a couple tidbits on trails here. Um, so Trans Canada Trail System. That's all across Canada. You can join in, volunteer, and do stuff through that. Uh, as you said, your local counties and districts will have trail systems as well. And a question that you may ask yourself or somebody may ask you is, like, how do you use your bushcrafting skills while you're doing this stuff? And for any of these that get you out in the woods, believe me, you can throw your, your mess kit or your cook kit in your pack, a little alcohol stove, and you can go out there and you can have a nice little outing. I mean, you're going to be doing the job that you're volunteering for there, but get a nice scenery, nice background, something like that. You sit down, you cook yourself up a little lunch, have a cup of tea. I mean, it's going to feel like you're in the woods because you're in the woods. You know what I mean? And so, you're going to be the envy of all the other volunteers. When you pull out your little alcohol stove and you cook up your cup of tea and you make your little chili, you know, your dehydrated food, and you got your little shelter set up behind you because you just want to be comfortable for a few minutes. And you can do it in a few minutes, and it's really fun, and it gets them interested in it too, and it gets them to show what's capable in any location so you know quick light little pack and you can have a great time in the woods uh and it just just a chance to test out your gear test out your boots test out your gaiters test test out your jackets like how hot is this going to be how how restrictive is it when i'm moving and doing work test out your pack you know how comfortable is that walking the trails uh you can test all your gear you know test your whole load out bring it in take it out and you're going to be familiar with the trails so you know what what the challenges are and be able to test different things so it's not just about the organization it's about you too so uh i think it's a it's an awesome you know other opportunity to attempt it it's bushcraft related by by far 100 percent, right and another thing that it's going to give you is it's going to get you used to the land because i mean a lot of people like to go out and camp and do stuff like that but they don't understand or they don't have a lot of experience in just reading the lay of the land you'll get to understand where warmer places are going to be colder places are going to be you know you know cold sinks uh southeast side's going to get the most sun southwest side you know stuff like that this all comes with experience about being out in the woods you'll understand about you know your leeward winds all this crap all just a bunch of jargon we're throwing at you right now but the more you get out in the woods especially if you're traveling around and parks and stuff like that generally your trails are going to be fairly long uh they're going to go through lots of different types of country so you might get a marshy area you'll get a really woody area you might get a beach area you'll get experience through all these different areas and you'll learn little nuances that'll help you when you're actually going out and doing your own adventuring or it's just good information yeah no yeah so it's yeah um something that i you know American up and I don't want to be no, uh, I, I was and just gonna oh sorry Ben go for oh, it and if you're not even sure like I believe the Trans Canada Trail System had like an adopt the trail program it did yeah and that was the program where you basically you're gonna adopt you're gonna say I'm going to be in charge of a kilometer or a half a kilometer or a set set length of trail and you just go out and keep it clean and tidy and make it beautiful and i mean it's just an excuse to get out in the woods and walk a piece of the trail so you know i think it's another great opportunity and what i was going to segue into there was uh it doesn't have to be walking trails either one that i had on my list was atv trails and uh, snowmobile trail clubs even those clubs in general you get out in the woods same kind of deal you get out you get to play on your toy for a little while because i mean some people like that stuff great throw your cook kit your alcohol stove your tarp set up a hammock in the back 
you're going to, uh, generally with the trail systems, if you're using your machines to get out and about, you may be going a longer distance, stuff like that. Potentially you take a little longer break. Uh, throw your hammock up in a tree. You know, you can have a little rest while you're having that lunch break, things like that. Once again, be the enemy of your friends for one, two. You get to show that experience to other people. It lets you practice your skills. And you get to play on your, your machine, your toy, whatever you want to call it, if that's your thing and you enjoy it. I, myself, I have an ATV. I enjoy going out on the ATV trails. Um... I'm trying to do a little bit more of the volunteer stuff around here locally, but even when I don't do it with the group with them, I generally always carry my chainsaw on my bike. If I'm traveling around, I see a dead tree that's over the trail. It can be cleaned up, stuff like that. Instead of just lopping it off and, you know, making it passable, you can take your time. You can really clean that up, junk the wood, set up beside the trail. When they come through, they're going to take that back, especially with snowmobile trails and stuff like that. They generally have warm-up huts, so they're always looking for firewood. Uh, and generally that firewood comes from what they clean up around the trails and stuff like that. So, uh, you'll get a lot of big firs and pines and stuff like that. It's during the winter, you get the wind storms. Anybody that's been here locally, you'll realize the wind has been crazy the last little while. Um, when you go out in the trails, there's trees down everywhere. Yeah. So just clean those up, junk the wood up, set it beside the trail. Off you go. I mean, look and make sure that you're allowed to do that in the trails you're traveling. I do know there is some private trails that go through private land. They don't want you touching and things like that. But it's real quick and easy. Uh, you can contact the trail management area or trail management people in your area and just say, hey, look, um, you know, I use these trails. I want to go through. If I find dead wood or something like that, you mind if I junk it up and I'll set up beside the trail. Generally, they're going to appreciate it. Gives them a little firewood. And they'll tell you anywhere where you shouldn't be doing that. Like, I, I know here we have... Uh, literally the trail systems across from my house and it cuts through three or four private stretches of property and they just say you know if it's if there's something down uh they would prefer that you just report it in and they'll deal with it with the land owners and stuff like that for whatever agreement they have going but once again that's just doing a little bit of homework um and it's not a big deal honestly it's pretty easy to figure out it i actually figured out how they market here and it's that's another thing you'll learn by getting out and going around. And you get to see tons of nice scenery. I've seen big look-offs here just around my neighborhood that I never even knew were here. Oh, yeah. Waterfalls. Yeah, no. That's the other one you get to track a lot on these trails. You'd be surprised how many waterfalls you go by. Oh, yeah. Well, that's the thing. There's a lot of beauty that people pass by every day and don't even notice or don't even think what's beyond that ridge, what's beyond that little tree line. I mean... You're driving up the highway and you see a little stream or something. You don't know what's just just there to sight. I mean, it could be some of the most beautiful little falls or a little pool. Um, so that's that's one of those things that you can uh, you can definitely uh, find out by doing these types of any of these organ you know any of these things will get you in the woods and potentially find these. But the trail associations, uh, you said the the bikes. The only thing you didn't quite mention. Uh, I don't know if there's other ones, but like the Jeep Club, so mm. ATV, snowmobiles, the Jeep Club, they do a lot of off-roading. And I believe there's probably some organizations that aren't uh, brand-specific because the Toyota guys and the Subaru guys and even the Dodge guys, I mean, they're joking. <laughs> For, you know, all, every, every manufacturer has vehicles that, that are capable of some decent off-roading. And uh, they sometimes like-minded people get together and they do a run they, they go to, go to a place that's not normally accessible and that's part of it like keeping the trails clean and well maintained and, and usable so others can enjoy it and getting back to places that most people don't go you know they do offer stuff back to the community so joining these things a lot of them are meant primarily for fun and secondarily 
for um, the community and some are the other way, primarily community and secondary for uh, fun. But almost all of them do give you a level of fun. I have to stop doing that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, trail associations, ATVs. I didn't really have that on my list. I should have. Uh, but, yeah, great option. Um, what else you got, Ben? What else? This is one I've recently checked out. This is the one I skipped earlier. Uh, Canoe Kayak Nova Scotia. Sort of a nice, similar idea of what we just talked about, but a bit different. I sent you a link. So me and a friend have recently contacted these guys. Uh, we have offered up our services. So my friend Chris and I are very excited to potentially join these guys on some trail cleanups and other operations. Um, we're, we're looking at what they're looking for what size teams stuff we're going to be doing but these guys maintain uh part of their thing is from my understanding is maintaining some of the portage routes they mark them they keep them somewhat clear they try to deal with like the money sections and stuff and they i do believe and we are potentially going to get an interview with these guys uh no promises but i, I did talk to a guy there and he indicated that maybe in the new year when things slow down he may have an opportunity to come on and talk a bit more about this so more to come potentially on this but yeah it's very exciting it's it's a group that that's doing the same thing we're doing it they're they're promoting the outdoors in a safe and, and environmentally friendly uh way so i'm excited to potentially partner with them and get some stuff on to go so you know another volunteer thing you know you're not going to get paid for this but you're going to get so much out of it if you join similar organizations so something else possibly there for sure uh yeah so and uh the equivalent i had on there we talked about this before was i had paddle canada that's the one i had done a little work with previously in the past uh the uh, kayak canoe nova scotia uh actually i became aware of them through you but yeah it was paddle canada that i worked with in the past and that was simply because of when i worked with natural resources that's who we dealt with you know what i mean so it's potato potato tomato tomato whatever you want to say just another option floating out there oh yeah for sure um do you have another one you want to throw out? Sure. So the next one I had on my list, and this is going to be kind of the next, you know, head slapper, if you so want to call it. Uh, scouts, beavers, sparks, all those uh, things like that. And I'm sure this is on your list too, Ben. Um, those are all great ones if you got a little experience and you want to get out there and teach other people how to use it. And believe it or not, even 4-H. A lot of people say, well, 4-H is mostly farming. But you know what? Farming and bushcraft go very hand in hand because it's about ingenuity and using what you have around you. And a lot of those skills are going to transfer over. Uh, now with scouts and beavers, sparks, uh, guides, things like that. You could be directly using those skills. I know I've uh, done some stuff with the, some of the local groups, and your area probably has an equivalent to one of these. These are just the names that pop into my head. Uh, I know Scouts is, you know, it, it's a thing. But, I mean, Beavers and Sparks, I don't know if that's a local thing or if that's everywhere. I honestly don't remember. Uh, but there, there's groups like that everywhere where it's generally, it's younger people. They want to get out in the woods. Um teach them, you know, camping skills, wood skills, things like that. So this is a great opportunity to be able to practice for one, your skills, two, get out in the woods and three, pass on some of those skills to people that are wanting to learn them. Oh, for sure. And as a, you know, some of these other organizations I know work with those groups because that's a good way to, to both recruit future members and be, you know, educate future, you know, future people who are going to be in the woods and do things and exploring the problems. I think 4-H is a great one. I haven't 
got a lot of experience, but I've been sort of seeing them on the sidelines and more and more stuff. And I hear that they cover a ton of stuff and boys, boys, kids, girl guides, all that same idea. Uh, they really do push the indoors uh, as an option. So Yeah, for sure. And before COVID and all this nonsense, uh, we were actually going to do a presentation for 4-H down in my yes. local area. We were asked to do that. It was, uh, we were figuring out how we were going to do it. And then COVID kind of, you know, sideswiped us on that and stuff. But uh, oh, anyway, so yeah, the, we were doing, uh, I think it was shelters and basically camp setup, shelter, fire, and how to be comfortable for the night. So that, you yeah. know what I mean? So, I mean, oh, don't good. think 4-H is just how to grow corn. No. <laughs> uh, and uh, hopefully, you know, we'll, we'll get to do that maybe in the next year or so. Um, you know, obviously this year's shot, but next year's still eventually it's got to end i you know they keep telling me uh so from the um, comment oh sorry no, no go ahead no i was gonna say zach just threw a comment out here and he said since you're all talking about trees at the moment uh maybe do an episode on how to identify trees uh you know hardwood versus softwood stuff like that you know what zach we thought about that in the past that might actually be a better thing not that we wouldn't do a podcast on it it's you're gonna need a lot of visual references for that uh, that might be worth the next time we get together, we could potentially shoot a video on that and we could convert it. So it would be, you know, somewhat listenable. But once again, the problem with something like that going to be a ton of visual cues you're going to need, like, uh, trying to identify a red maple versus a hard maple or sugar maple or whatever you want to call it. Like you're going to have to know the leaf structure. We could say them verbally. Uh, but unless you see it, you know, a picture is worth a thousand words. And thing is it's kind of a four season show yeah um, it right? might be you an ongoing mini series how do you identify them in the winter how do you identify them this spring summer and fall and in fact i do the winter the last simply because that is in my opinion the absolute hardest time to identify a tree um simply because the leaves are gone <laughs> for the most you know for for 50 percent of them anyways so but no it's it is an interesting subject and very fun in its own right. And funny enough, I think I still have it. I think it's free. I'll have to check into it. I actually had a tree identification um, interactive program somewhere once upon a time. I snagged this thing when I used to work for uh, Provincial Hardwood. Uh, I don't remember who programmed anything like that. I think it was a free thing floating around, but it's like one of those 20 question things, but it's just trees. Uh, it'll ask you 20 questions about it, and it'll basically narrow it down within three trees of North America or something. So it's actually pretty cool that way, and then just give you visual cues to try and hammer it out through that. If I can find that, and it is free, and it's free to distribute, I will make sure it gets added to our website. But I have to make sure there's, you know, the legalities in there. It is uh, freeware, meaning, you know, it's openly distributed, and we're not breaching any copyrights or stuff like that. I found one on... Uh google play uh for for fungus for mushrooms and it was same idea though like you answer about eight questions and it identifies the the down to a small group of uh, no not google no do not uh yeah it it does it, it identifies down to a handful and shows you pictures and you can then kind of filter through it i'm not going to tell everyone to go out and start you know choosing your food based on this app but it's it was really fun i learned a ton just playing with that app so is that the one like steve that. was telling us about it or a little uh meet and greet yeah. yeah yeah i downloaded it too and that thing's pretty sweet yeah, uh it's fun 
Anywho. It was free. What's that? What? It was free, I believe. Uh, yeah, I think there's a free version and a pro version. Something like that. But I, I just went with the free one, that's for sure. I'm too poor not to. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, uh, we may even eventually just do an episode on stuff like that. Apps that are very fun and useful for woods, <laughs> too. But, uh, yeah, things like that tree identification is cool. Um, did you have another volunteer opportunity? Uh, I, I was last with scouts. so. Okay. There is another one. I'm not sure how to do it, but you may actually know a bit more. I do know there are some volunteer opportunities out there for like river cleanups and wildlife preservation and things like that uh, you'll have to look around a bit more but local rivers that are trying to rejuvenate to clean up stuff like that are oftentimes looking for volunteers and some of the local organizations that are trying to save like the blandings turtle and things like that are oftentimes looking for help identifying potential nesting sites things like that and all these things can potentially get you out in the woods and get you to see things that you may never have seen and explore areas that you may have never thought to explore. So I, I want to say like the opportunities are vast and diverse. Uh, and keep your eye open. If you really want to do volunteer and you really want to be out in the woods, there's plenty of things you can do to kind of just give meaning to your trips out and, and make it more fun and exciting. Uh, and these are just a few. Um, this one I want another group I want to throw out. I think that covers the specific like organization type things. And we've covered a little bit already here, but after that I want to throw just general cleanup. If you can't find an organization that you can, you know, join and support, anyone can go out in the woods, walk any trail, side any road, and just do cleanup. Yep. And I mean that's just preserving the nature you're living in. Uh to backtrack a tiny bit, for some of those river things and stuff like that, a good place to start, I know for Nova Scotia, not so much for other provinces and locations, but Nova Scotia, we have a great resource. It's called, uh, it was the Department of Natural Resources uh, Education Center, but I think now it's Department of Natural Resources and Renewables, DNUR, uh Education Center, which is in Middle Musket Hobbit. Uh, and it, the, the fellow that used to run that place was Dave Taylor, and he was into everything. And I know he has since retired, but I do know some of uh, the other folks that still work there that have kind of, you know, picked up the mantle that, that he left when he retired they're super knowledgeable and you're going to meet some really interesting characters in there they know a lot about conservation and don't get me wrong they are part of natural resources and renewables or dinner uh so they are going to be geared a little bit more towards that but they have a ton of information to a lot of these like river preservation groups uh specific wildlife preservation groups friends off groups because a lot of them work in conjunction with department of natural resources as you can imagine and uh the education center is kind of the main hub for distributing and connecting liaisoning through a lot of those organizations so good place to start there here in nova scotia and like i said that is in middle musket Abbot. um so actually i think you can just google department of natural resources education center and it'll take you right there but if you're in the middle musket Abbot area uh which is in the hrm that's where it is generally it's it runs the same time is uh school because i believe the elementary school is part of the back of it if i remember correctly but they also have like an educational woodlot there um and a few other things that's really interesting and unique to that location yeah no 
that's great information. And, and I kind of knew that in the back of my head, but I didn't have the solid information that you have. So, you know, um, yeah, I, I believe when I've talked to some of these other groups, actually, they have mentioned that they work in conjunction with Department of Natural Resources. And, and they get a lot of support from that department because, you know, a lot of this land falls under their jurisdiction. Yeah. And... Um not to beat the dead horse too much here, but one of the big things that sticks out in my mind with the education center is uh, I did a project called Project Wet, Project Wild, which was about uh, water conservation, uh, moving wetlands and stuff like that. And I mean, they put the course on. It was amazing the amount I learned about uh, wetlands in general. Uh, what the course was, was it was to teach somebody how to teach other people about wetlands. And I can tell you, I learned far more about wetlands from what they taught me than I knew going in. Like, oh, hands have. down. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, not our longest show by far, and that's it, it's over, but um, those are the, you know, those are some of the ideas that we were able to relatively quickly come up with. Like I said, it's been in the back of our head for a few weeks, but we just wanted to, to sort of highlight some of the great organizations out there that are doing a ton of stuff for, you know, the environment, for, for the, you know, the, the wilderness that we all know and love. And I mean, this is for a lot of us. I know two of us, it's our passion to be out there and doing stuff. And if you can find something that, that dovetails into that, gives you an excuse to get out there, all the better. It really is. And uh, the other thing is it's an opportunity to meet like-minded people and make some new friends. And uh, I think, you know, you can all use some new friends. <laughs> the way things are now, uh, you can never have enough friends, especially good friends that you could potentially hide in the woods with, as we were joking about <laughs> before we came on. Uh, so just a couple comments that popped up. Uh, Zach McDonald about our uh, tree talk. He said, fair, sounds great. Uh, he's in a second year of bushcraft. He feels like we're more inform informational than others, and he'd love to have her take on it. So I think that's a compliment. I, I hope that doesn't mean we're boring, <laughs> but no, we tend to be a little bit more informal or that's the way we try to, uh, push the podcast. We are, and we keep saying it, we are going to make videos as well. Uh, it's just been crazy hectic. And I know we keep saying that and pushing this off, but literally, uh, th there's two factors that play into this one, uh, getting together and doing them is a little tricky. And two, when we do go out, we always forget to record it. We're so wrapped up in what we're doing that legitimately we like we went with our get together, which was uh, Ben, his family, myself, and Steve, and we planned to record a lot of this and do live broadcasts. I don't think I touched my phone or camera once. Don't think I ever took it out of the bag. We, we are, uh, yeah, we are. I think the world's worst YouTubers. Period. Um, Thank God this isn't our day job. <laughs> no, but you know we have actively decided that Wednesdays we are going to video and we are going to go live and it forces us to do this. But if you put the two of us in the woods, the last thing in our mind is how are we going to videotape this? If first thing in our mind is what are we going to do? How are we going to do it? And how much more crazy can we make it? And that's unfortunately true. Um, we will keep trying more and more foolish things to see what we can get away with and what we can do. And not in a way that's unsafe necessarily, but do we need this piece of gear or how can we make this piece of gear do more or, or, you know, where can we go? And we get caught up in a moment. And the last thing, like you said, we think about is, is our phone. Um, YouTubers that do awesome video are amazing people. I'm not, I'm not dissing them. Don't, I hope they don't take it this way, but it's a total different mindset. And it, 
it is difficult to do because in a lot of ways it does take away from the moment and i know some good videographers that are youtubers that i've hung out with and i've camped with and one of the things they have to do to make it enjoyable for themselves is actually set time where they will not record they actually set like a four or five hour period per day which is just about the camp just about the trip and then the rest can be for video they have to, to allocate that out and uh we almost got to go the other way. We got to set a car aside, you know, four or five hours. Okay, we got a videotape here. Because, <laughs> like yeah. Ben said, it, it, unfortunately, it's like we go in with the best of intentions. Okay, this we'll, we'll set up and then we'll crack out the cameras. Well, we set up, that leads to something else, which leads to something else, which leads to something else. All of a sudden, sun's going down. Well, the lighting's crap. I guess we'll just do it tomorrow and start the cycle over again. Yeah. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, it's dark, the fire's going, the stories are going, and <laughs> it may not be YouTube appropriate. Yeah, all of a sudden, you don't want the cameras on. <laughs> but uh, and anyone ever gets the opportunity to get out with us, it's a great great laugh. Uh, you, you do not have to actually work that, look that far to find a bunch of people who have camped with one or two of us or both of us. And uh, I'm sure they'll agree, an interesting time was had by all. <laughs> Things definitely get a little silly at night. Yeah. In a good way, we have a ton of fun. All right. But, uh, and another comment here. Uh, Pace Driver, I think uh, Ground Search and Rescue is a great way to volunteer for any outdoors person. Lots of opportunities to try and learn from others and still do something worthwhile. And uh, we did talk about that right at the start. Ben himself, avid Ground Search and Rescuer, an amazing organization. Always looking for help, too. Oh, yeah. Um, Province-wide, with, with maybe one or two exceptions, Every team is desperately in need of more team members. It's to the fact where a lot of our teams can't do a proper search by themselves and have to bring in at least one to two more teams to facilitate a full search, a properly run search. Um, so if, if you are even considering it, I would highly recommend you try it. Uh, fire, fire, um, fire departments are in a similar boat, but usually not quite as bad um, mm, depending where you're at sometimes we're worse but yeah, yeah another organization that's usually always starving for members but i know yeah i know a lot of them have a mutual aid agreement with the neighboring um teams because otherwise you know at best they're just keeping people away from the fire um but when you get two or three teams together you can do some amazing things um and it's it's a great opportunity i mean i've met some awesome people uh, at both organizations, I am not in the firefighting and have never been, but I have met a lot of the firefighters and I've spent time at the fire departments in volunteer roles and there is some amazing people there. So two organizations that you know definitely can use your help, but all of these organizations can. And I just thought of another one that may potentially be a great opportunity. That's not maybe an immediate thought, but big brothers and big sisters. Hmm. You know what? I had that on my list, and I hummed and hawed about it. I'm kind of glad you brought it up. So go ahead, Ben. Well, Big Brothers and Big Sisters, anyone who's not familiar with the program, is where you basically adopt, I think it's usually somebody with only like a single parent, and they're looking for somebody to feel, fill that other role. Uh, so, you know, a single mother who's raising children and wants you know, a uh, father figure in the, in the, is that masculine figure in, in the role. Um, and, and the same ha thing happens the other way where they want a, a single father who feels like maybe there needs to be that, 
taking kids out in the woods is a rewarding experience. Uh, me and Robert can definitely testify to that. We have brought our own kids as well as others. I've brought other kids out in the woods. And it's amazing opportunity that you learn so much from the youth when you go in the woods. It is, it is awesome. Um, and it gives so much and they learn so much from it. So if you're a bushcrafter and you're looking for something, how can you pass those skills on? And, you know, maybe you don't have nieces and nephews or kids of your own. This is a great opportunity. Um, and it's an organization that's definitely worthwhile. Um, so I think I definitely throw that out there. I mean, it's, and I might have the percentages wrong on this because it used to be on my physics teacher's wall when I was in high school. So if I get this wrong, Mr. Bork, I apologize. But here's here we go. You remember 11% of what you read, 35% of 35 to 50% of what you try, but you were remember almost 80% of something you taught someone else. Yeah. I, the numbers could be a little off, but yes, very much true. Uh, I remember because I tutored for a while, and if you tutor someone math, your math gets very, very good. Um, same thing with anything else. When you're showing someone else, because it forces you to rethink how you're doing it so you can show it to someone else. And when you do that, you now have two to three trains of how something goes, and all of a sudden it locks it in so much better. And you'll improve yourself, and they'll improve because you're teaching them. Um, and it... You know, it helps in a ton of things in life when you do that. Everything you do that expands your horizon, uh, I think, grows your mind, grows your skills, grows your abilities, and makes you much better of a person. So doing any of these things. Uh, so that's another organization that sort of springs to mind that I think, uh, you know, you can really give a lot back to the community. But again, you can gain so much more to yourself. And again, we from the beginning we said this is not an exhaustive list, and it by no, me. these were just some ideas. <laughs> yeah, but get that out in your mind, get that thought process going, because if you have that opportunity, you know, join one of these, you know, do it for a few years, see what you think. Uh, I think Robert, you probably beat me in numbers of years for volunteering, but I've got over nine years in search and rescue. Oh yeah, I beat you. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I didn't know what you were going to say. I was about to say, well, maybe, maybe not. But I think I'm coming up on 21 or 22 years now in the fire service. So, I mean, you know, you'd be surprised how long you'd stick with it. Like, this is, yeah. Yeah, it, it's. My second longest career of any job I've ever had. <laughs> and the thing is, it's the weirdest skills you remember that you'll start applying to your everyday life. Even if what you're volunteering for doesn't seem like it has a segue into bushcrafting or any other part of your life. Stick with it. Trust me. At some point, a light bulb will come on and be like, Oh, Oh, I see. And you just start looking at things in a new light. And I think that comes with all things with experience. Don't get me wrong, but that's just another experience to draw from, from your pool and to add another, another thought process or another outlook in your bag of arsenals. But yeah, hundred percent. But, I don't think I've ever learned a skill that wasn't somewhat useful for bushcraft some way, shape, or form. So, um, And the last comment there, Zach. Thank you, guys. Really enjoyed. Thanks for the interaction. First time watching. Hopefully you can catch us every Wednesday night. Uh, yeah, Zach, like I said, if you, if you are kind enough to jump on and throw some comments our way, we are definitely going to try and interact with you as much as you can. And that goes for anybody else that's out there listening to um or watching or any of that if you go through the effort of putting a comment up we try to 
make an effort to at least bring acknowledgement to that comment, uh, read that comment, and try to answer any questions that you may have when you have them as well. So by all means, uh, you don't have to come on live if that's not your thing. We won't put you on the spot. You can just shoot us an email, message us. All that stuff is down there at the bottom. Uh, and we, we'll, uh, we'll bring light to anything you want us to, as long as it's appropriate, of course. So nobody getting any funny ideas out there. <laughs> I'm getting a little warning that our internet, my internet connection is a little unstable. Uh, you're still good on my end, so wouldn't worry about Perfect. it. We're about done anyway, I think. Um, just wanted to throw something in. Maybe this is yeah, I'll do it. Um, you said like anyone who wants to come on, I, we don't really care. Uh, age, race, religion, you name it. We're willing to work with anyone, talk with anyone. So like, this is a very open group. And we want to uh, encourage absolutely everyone and anyone who wants to get out and do anything in the woods to join us. So uh, if you're ever on the fence, you're thinking maybe I'm not the person to be joining. Like we are, you know, we have been out with people of anyone, anyone is welcome in the woods with us. And I, I don't even want to limit that to anything but that. People Not from even, all walks of life can enjoy the uh, woods, and we're willing to accommodate that. Not even just humans, like dogs, cats. <laughs> we can do whatever. You take your dog quite often, man. Great little warmer at the bottom of the sleep or the hammock. Not the bottom of the sleeping bag, but the bottom of the hammock. after camping. <laughs> Sometimes I think I only get invited for her. <laughs> yeah, yeah probably. <laughs> That's good. Ben to kill camping. He'll take Molly. <laughs> but last trip I was out in the woods to there was a fight over who Molly slept with. Cause she oh, <laughs> yeah, you were telling me. <laughs> Portable space heater. But, uh, yeah, once again, if you have any interest, just let us know. And especially if you're in Nova Scotia and you want to get out, reach out to us. We'll try, like, you know, have tent, we'll travel. Have hammock, we'll travel. Um, we'll try and make something work. I know it's hectic, it's crazy, all that nonsense. But we will try our darndest to make something work for you. So that's that's our spiel for the week. Um, next week, heads up, probably won't be the longest episode we've ever done. Nah, 22nd. That's getting pretty close to Christmas, everybody. Uh, we will do something. We always do something. We haven't missed an episode yet except for one Remembrance Day episode. We chose not to do a full show. But I think yeah. that was respectful. And, uh, yeah, we, we'll do something. It just may not be the longest one because... It's going to get hectic. We all have young kids, and uh, right now my office is literally filled with all the presents, and my daughter has been dying to get in here for a while. Yeah, and I, and I have some stuff I have to get done around that time, but I will be on for at least a little while, and then the week after that may be an interesting location for me, and then after that, I may miss one. But fingers crossed. We'll see what happens. We'll make it work. All right, everybody. Get out there, have fun. Night.